Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here as always with Drew Dinsick in his new preferred location uh, of boat uh, for the second day in a row uh, as he continues to chase Cam Akers all around California, going from training camp to training camp. Uh, good to see you, Drew. Good to see your background as well. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the NFC Championship market teams that we're happy to fade and back in that market and then after talking about the women's side of the us open yesterday we're going to talk about the men's side of the bracket which is a little bit more a uh, bit more of a closed market i would say uh than the women's side but we'll get into that uh but let's start off with the nfc championship market the philadelphia eagles uh your nfc winner last year they're plus 260 uh the team they beat in the title game the Niners are four to one. Cowboys plus six fifty. Lions plus eight fifty. Twelve to one teams in the Saints and Seahawks. And then you get into the longer shots. So let's start this off, Drew, by talking about who we're happy to fade in this market. Does any team leap out to you? I think there are three, and it's all price based, and it's all kind of the way that I think the season is realistically going to unfold. Um, the first team to talk about is the, uh, the Eagles, obviously. And while, yes, their schedule starts out soft enough that it's possible that that price will get shorter uh, before it gets longer, um, their stretch in November, December, to me, uh, can only really bring uh, them back to the pack uh, and really opens up the door for the Cowboys, as we've talked about. So um, Eagles, for me, at that price are a fade in the NFC. Uh, and I think, um, you know, perfectly prepared to change my tune once we get to the playoffs when we get a sense of health when we get a sense of path because i think the eagles offense is one of the best in the nfl if not the best um based on how deep that wide receiver room is and how good that offensive line is they're going to score points in bunches this year but uh to win the to win the super bowl i think is a little bit um a little you know a little bit high let's you know what were they last year 50 to 1 and it's basically a little bit less talented run a year of experience at the quarterback position. That's kind of the only difference. Um, and you've lost some coordinators. So uh, realistic to expect the Eagles may stumble out of the gate as they try to integrate new personnel, as they try to integrate the new coordinating you know, coordinators there. So um, Eagles are afraid for me. Niners are afraid for me out of the gate because I just I need to see a healthy Brock Purdy do what he did in December and January last year before I believe that this should be um, that significant of a price to win the, uh, the Super Bowl or the NFC. Um, this is a lot weaker held opinion. I think the Niners are the most talented roster in the NFL, top to bottom. They're clearly the most talented defense, as far as I can tell you, because they have, you know, Hall of Fame players in, you know, at every level. Well, maybe not in the in the secondary, but they have 
Hall of Fame linebacker, Hall of Fame defensive lineman, and uh, very, very talented uh, safety group and you know, corners that I believe will take a step forward this year. So um, Niners are for real, but I don't believe that that price is as good as you're going to see. I think there's a realistic chance that this team is around 500 as we get to Halloween. Uh, and at that point, then you're looking at a buy on the Niners. So uh, fading that price. The uh, Cowboys uh, look fair to me, um, which really only leaves the last big 4J, the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are going to get, I think, exposed. Uh, week one, uh, banner, banner night against the Chiefs. Uh, that defense, to me, has huge, huge weaknesses. Uh, they're going to be in a race to 30 in almost every game that they're in against a live offense. Um, you know, they'll, they'll definitely beat, uh, beat up on some of the teams on that schedule, but out of the gate, starting with the Chiefs is a disaster, in my opinion, for this Lions team. So um, I think realistically that price can only get longer as well. So I really think the entire top of the board besides the Cowboys is worth at least um, you know, taking a stand against those prices um, because, again, in the case of the Eagles, and you know, end of the regular season as we go into the playoffs would be the buy point for me. Um, at the case of the Niners, we're talking Halloween. Uh, and in the case of the Lions, we're talking never. Um, not because I don't believe in them getting to the playoffs, but because I think that defense is ultimately going to unwind them once they play some of the elite teams in the NFC on their way to try to get to the Super Bowl. So I don't think realistically I'm ever going to have a Lions position this year. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's a wait uh, for a better price on Eagles and Niners. Does all that make sense? Yeah, the Lions are a strange team because I think everyone accepts that they are a good team, but they also don't really have uh, much of a secondary. They don't have a pass rush and they don't have a top 12 quarterback. Uh, and so you add all that up. And it's like, well, how do we get to them being a really, really good team? I mean, they have an excellent offensive line. They have Amon Ra, St. Brown. Uh, they have the idea of Jameson Williams, who's hurt again. Uh, so that about Jameson Williams. Last year, do you know how many passes he caught, Drew? He caught one pass. <laughs> he had one yes. reception last year. He played in six games, caught one ball, had a lot of targets. Just that one catch that he did make was a 41-yard touchdown, which I think sticks in the, the minds of most people. But, I mean, he's going to miss the first chunk of the season. Uh, and also, there's a little bit of Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony about Jamison Williams, where it's like, can you, just, can you stay healthy? Can you play a few preseason games? You can't even do that. At the moment, so yeah, I with the Lions just question their upside with that defense uh, and with Jared Goff at quarterback, who presumably at some point may have to go outdoors for a playoff game. Uh, with the Eagles, I agree, plus two sixty, no interest there. I just think as a general rule, if you're like even money to lose your division, you can't be plus two sixty to win a conference. Uh, for the most part. And then the Niners uh, at plus 400, I think there is scope to be able to to watch them uh, at first and see what they look like, see what their quarterback position looks like before jumping in. I don't think that's going to get too much shorter over the course of the first uh, month or so of the season. Uh, so of the top teams, particularly the top four favorites, the only team I'd have any interest in backing uh, would be Dallas at plus 650 to win the NFC. And there's some, there's still some 16 to 1 about the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. I think that is a better bet than plus 650 uh, NFC. But uh, we'll talk about the long shots. But in terms of the number one seed market as well, just quickly, you've got the Eagles favorite there, plus 325, then 49ers, Cowboys, Saints. Uh, is there anyone in that market that you're particularly keen to back? 
I've looked really hard at Falcons here at that price, but I really was hoping we were going to see something more like 20 to one there. Um, I believe in the Falcons a lot more than most of the other people in the market. For whatever reason, I don't understand why people aren't looking at the defense on paper. <laughs> people should be looking at the defense on paper and, and kind of seeing what I see, which is a top 10 unit potentially. Um, and, you know, with the uniqueness of that offensive scheme, you know, and, and just in general, uh, a very, very soft schedule. Uh, I think one seed for the Falcons is not out of the rain, you know, realm of possibility. Um, I can't honestly make a case for any of the NFC North teams. I think those defenses all have enough questions that, uh, you know, whoever comes out of the NFC North is probably going to be your four seed. Uh, and then, you know, with the, the Eagles uh, and, you know, Eagles and Cowboys, I think you make made the key point. Only one of those teams can win the NFC East. And, we think it's closer to a coin flip than the market. So by definition, the Cowboys are valued, the Eagles are not. Even saying that, I think you're talking about NFC East winner and 49ers as a coin flip in terms of the NFC. You know, practically makes up, in my mind, something in the ballpark of 90% of the win probability for this particular market. And last year, it was pretty straightforward to look at the likes of the Packers, the Bucks, and the Rams and say, these are all flawed favorites. And there's going to be chaos in this conference is weak. And that was all, you know, relatively straightforward uh, and taking swings on the Eagles, which was a swing and a hit last year, as they were, I believe, in the um, 10 to 1 range for this market, uh, maybe even as high as 20 to 1 at one point. I did not get the best of that number there, but I did have a nice ticket uh, on Eagles last year. And to me, I think ultimately the cream will rise because I do see Eagles, Niners and Cowboys as clearly the best teams in the NFC. Um, with a gap between them and the rest of the field. Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, kind of timing your entry correctly, getting a best price in that market on Niners once we get to, uh, you know, get through the portion of the season where they've reintegrated Brock Purdy. And, uh, yeah, if you want to take a, a number now on the Cowboys, I like that just as much as I like Cowboys, um, you know, defensive player of the year number for Michael Parsons um, because I think, again, realistically – the Eagles' schedule is so much more difficult. And uh, really, if you just win those two head-to-heads, you're almost certainly going to win the NFC East, in my opinion. Um, and then you, you, know, you can take a little bit of the uncertainty about what Mike McCarthy is going to do in end-of-game situations against elite competition in an NFC Championship game out of the picture. Yeah, I think the way to think about the one-seed markets just in general is to think about uh, whether it's just better to back that team's coach for coach of the year or that team's quarterback for MVP, given the correlation uh, on that front. And I think, for instance, like there's just no point backing the Falcons at 16 to 1 to get the one seed when you can back Arthur Smith, coach of the year, at a bigger price. Because if they get the, if the Atlanta Falcons with Desmond Ritter get the one seed, then Arthur Smith is almost off the board to win coach of the year. And there's also plenty of scope for him to win as a two seed or a three seed as well. Uh, so I think that's the best way to conceive of it. And from that perspective, there's nothing really that, that leaps off the board outside of potentially the Cowboys price uh, would be the That's only an one. outstanding, outstanding point, Jay. Outstanding point. And we haven't mentioned the Saints to this point on the podcast, even though they were in the mix there. Uh, at least the market considers them in the mix. Don't get it. Uh, the Cowboys, I mean, me, the Saints to me are like Lions light. Um, they do have the potential to have an offense that can score into the 30s. Um, but I really have huge questions about the way that this personnel is turning over. And I hate when teams are going into week two of training camp and signing 
uh, veterans off the street to, you know, to perform meaningful roles. Like that's just a bad way to do team building and it's red flags all over the place for me. So uh, Saints uh, for me, at least at the top of the NFC South market right now are a fate as well. Indeed. All right. Before we get into some long shots to win the NFC, a reminder that with the NFL season quickly approaching, now is the perfect time to get your Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Get ready for your draft and stay one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and more. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use code DRAFT2023 to save 20% at checkout. All right, so in terms of long shots to win the NFC, I'm pretty much drawing the line there as, so you got your big four, well, big four if you want to call them that, of Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, Lions, uh, and then Saints and Seahawks uh, at 12 to 1. So any run outside of that I think is kind of a long shot. Vikings 15 to 1, New York Giants 22 to 1, Bears, Falcons, Packers all 28 to 1, and then outside of that you start to get into the realm of make-believe, uh, I'm going to put forward uh, the Chicago Bears as the best team of this lot at 28-1 to 1 in terms at least of upside to actually win the conference. And I think the reason for that is simply that Justin Fields has more upside uh, than these other quarterbacks. And I think that that offense has the scope. I don't think it's going to be the case, but that offense has the scope to be a top five unit. Just the offensive line now has been fortified for the first time in what feels like 20 years in Chicago, bringing in Nate Davis, drafting Darnell Wright as a top 10 pick. You have DJ Moore there uh, now alongside Darnell Mooney, who I've always had a soft spot for, and Chase Claypool. And then Fields, I think, we know what he can do as a rusher. I, just, I don't understand entirely why his accuracy hasn't translated from college to the pros. I guess that's just an Ohio State thing in the system and the weapons there, but still think there's some upside in him as a passer. Uh, and the defense, not quite as good, but I do think there is, I mean, there's talent on the defense. They still need to upgrade cornerback, and I think pass rusher, but there is a little bit of talent there. So I don't know. I don't think the Bears are going to win the NFC, but at 28 to 1, they would be the long shot that uh, I would be most interested in uh what do you think do you have a long i think shot? I, I think we're entirely in the land of make-believe that a long shot could win the nfc personally um and the longest price that i would even give realistic consideration to would be the vikings um and that's just because you at least have a quarterback who has playoff experience your fields case is fine like i get it like he could have a lamar jackson type of season in 2019 where you know he's face meltingly you know you know, excellent offensive, you know, piece of the puzzle. Um, and the Bears are just an unbeatable team against a really soft schedule. Like, that could happen. I will be running to the window to bet against that team in the playoffs because the just in general, the inexperience across that whole squad, starting at the quarterback position, uh, is too tantalizing to not bet against. The same thing goes for uh, Desmond Ritter and the Falcons. The same thing goes for Jordan Love and the Packers. Really, all the teams that I see with upside – have inexperience at the quarterback position except for Minnesota. Uh, and the fact that you have Kirk Cousins and uh, Justin Jefferson and, uh, you know, a very, very solid tackle in Christian Derrissaw, um, that's, that's enough of a nucleus uh, to expect that they could win road playoff games. Um, and, you know, the, I, I don't love it a ton about that roster, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. But um, there's been plenty of years where defense has not mattered nearly as much as offense in, in the scheme of things. And if that is kind of one of the years we're living in in the NFL this year and just the 
you know, you have a, this this wash of inexperienced quarterbacks and offensive coordinators, but then you have year two of Kevin O'Connell and uh, and Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson together. Um, that might be enough to give that consideration. Now, I ultimately, I'm probably not going to back it at 15 to one. It needs to be a better number um, because I just feel like they're drawing dead against the likes of the Eagles. They're drawing dead against the likes of the Niners. Um, maybe even against the Cowboys. So um, I think this is the one market where you save your bullets. And if you want to get a bigger price, you shoot for it in the AFC. Yeah, I think with the Vikings, it's just the talent on defense. I mean, that defense was deplorable last season. They didn't really make any meaningful upgrades uh, unless the the DC switch is going to, to cover up uh, what is lacking there, particularly at corner. Uh, and really just the secondary in general. I do think, I don't understand why their offense wasn't even better last year. When you look at the talent, you get a full year of Hawkinson now. Maybe KJ Osborne takes a leap, Jordan Addison. Uh, but I agree that they are maybe a little bit underrated at the moment because they were a 13 and 4 team last year that probably played like an 8 and 9, 9 and 8 team. And I think they probably had a bit more talent than that. And they should have been a true kind of 10 and 7 type team. But uh, yeah, they're one to watch and they're probably not one to back now either because their first seven weeks, they've got to play all of Philadelphia, Kansas City and San Francisco. They've also got games in there against the Chargers at Chicago. Uh, so you can probably wait and see on the Vikings and hope that they start off three and four and potentially get out to a silly price uh, and can make a run in what should be a pretty winnable division. All right, before we get to... Carlos Alcaraz, Novak Djokovic, and friends. MLB Sunday leadoff heads to Texas this weekend where the Seattle Mariners take on last year's World Series champions, the Houston Astros. Watch these two teams not only battle for position in the AL West, but for the postseason as well. Catch the action live this Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right. Well, the women's side uh, of the U.S. Open is, I think, much more wide open. On the men's side, we've got... Carlos Alcaraz plus 120, Novak Djokovic plus 150. So those two alone are taking up, what, 85% of the book. Uh, And then you've got Daniil Medvedev, your man Yannick Sinner, uh, fresh off a loss as a minus 1,000 money line favorite. Uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas, 
Zverev Rune, uh, last year's finalist Kasper Rude, uh, and Co. Is there any way to attack this market at the moment with the current price? I mean, realistically, you can grab that 85% and take 15, in my opinion, because there are only two people who I think are realistic uh, potential winners here, and it is Alcaraz Djokovic. Um, I had, at one point, very high hopes for ruining a, a threat here. I have, I have a Rune ticket in my pocket that I basically would happily walk back and give back to the book right now and get my money back because he's completely on fumes. He's completely run out of gas. And all the other guys you mentioned, Medvedev, Sinner, Sissipas, Rude, uh, they all have fatal flaws in one way or the other and or there's something about their game right now that is just not clicking. Um, and so I think it's going to be one of these things where the U.S. men's U.S. Open is going to start on um, what is it going to be? September uh, September 10th which is the first Sunday of the NFL uh, is basically going to be the U.S. Open final. And uh, honestly, we get the rubber match between Alcaraz and Djokovic. I'm more excited for that particular tennis match than any match uh, that we've seen all year. Um, I was excited for match one in, in, uh, at Roland Garros. I was even more excited for um, the, uh, the Wimbledon championship in England in July. Um, but this one is going to be even better. And um, the surface is perfectly neutral here. Uh, the situation is going to, you know, presumably Djokovic, if you didn't already know, is typically a fade at the U.S. Open because the conditions aren't ideal for him. And I don't, I'm not talking about court speed. I'm talking about simply he's usually played more tennis than everyone else by this point in the season. And it's hot. It's humid. He doesn't always get the, you know, the right, uh, you know, conditions to uh, in terms of preference and things like that. And so he's just a little bit out of sorts. And that has made it, you know, an opportunity to fit him at this particular venue. I hope that that is the sentiment in the market. And I hope you get him at a dog price against Alcaraz in that final, because I think uh, Djokovic ultimately is the play here. Um, and realistically, I'm probably just taking the dog. Like, this should be a 50-50 match. This is a very even head-to-head. Um, there's nothing about uh, Alcaraz's game on hard court that's unsolvable for Djokovic, whereas he just he, he was more of an unknown on grass, which is why that made that a fun bet. Um, so I think I lean right now. Djokovic should be the favorite. He maybe is like fifty-two to Alcaraz's forty-eight or something like that. Um, and uh, I think the fact that he has more bolts in the chamber this year than a lot of these other guys means something uh, and could be the differentiating factor. So um, Alcaraz, you know. If he goes deep at uh, Cincinnati, if he beats Djokovic in Cincinnati, that now maybe sets up the absolute widowmaker of a bet on Djokovic in the final uh, because you might get a pretty awesome price. So uh, Cincinnati is going to have something to say about this um, because we're probably going to get a preview of Djokovic Alcaraz at that tournament. Um, and, you know, I think sparing a tiny, briefest bit of a second, one other bet I'm excited to make is if Alexander Zverev is not in Djokovic's quarter and he's not in Alcaraz's quarter, his quarter price I think is going to be a bet because he's certainly finally finding some form uh, and I think could realistically uh, be a uh, semifinal competitor where he loses to one of the uh, the top two men on, in, on tour right now. So um, it, I'm still excited for this tournament. I'm excited to see uh, you know see all of the lead-up matches and if anyone else can distinguish themselves and. There's going to be some surprises. There's going to be some long shots. Hopefully, the U.S. men do better this year um, than you know they have in years past. Obviously, Tiafo being the exception. Um, but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the rubber match. This is what we've all been waiting for. Round three um, of uh, Djokovic versus Alcaraz. And uh, for me, give me the dog, and hopefully it's Djokovic, and hopefully it's in the plus one hundred and fifty range.
Yeah, unfortunately, men's tennis has largely been reduced to searching for quarter prices because uh, the outrights now, there's just not a lot of meat on the bone. The only, the, I, mean, I hate to even say his name out loud, but the only guy who I think has really upside to disrupt this is uh, Mr. Sinner. Just think back to that one tiebreak he played against Alcaraz last year where he blasted him 7 nothing. I think he does have the game where if everything breaks perfectly, he could beat one of these guys. But, you know, it seems pretty pretty unlikely. But I do think he has the upside. But I don't think he... Uh, I mean, he just did win probably his biggest tournament uh, and maybe build some confidence. But uh, I don't think at the end of the day that Yannick is in that same sphere. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe to us if you're listening in podcast form. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you soon. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.